Today's Bible study is titled Saul, Samuel, Sorcery, and the Witch of Endor. And the text verse is taken from 1 Samuel chapter 28, verses 3 through 19. In the Old Testament, 1 Samuel chapter 28, verse 3. Now Samuel was dead, and all Israel had lamented him and buried him in Ramah, even in his own city. And Saul had put away those that had familiar spirits and wizards out of the land. And the Philistines gathered themselves together and came and pitched in Shunan. And Saul gathered all Israel together, and they pitched in Gilboa. And when Saul saw the hosts of the Philistines, he was afraid, and his heart greatly trembled. And when Saul inquired of the Lord, the Lord answered him not, neither by dreams, nor by Urim, nor by prophets. Then said Saul unto his servants, Seek me a woman that hath a familiar spirit, that I may go to her and inquire of her. And his servant said to him, Behold, there is a woman that hath a familiar spirit at Endor. And Saul disguised himself and put on other raiment. And he went and two men with him, and they came to the woman by night. And he said, I pray thee, divine unto me by the familiar spirit, and bring me him up whom I shall name unto thee. And the woman said unto him, Behold, thou knowest what Saul hath done, how he hath cut off those that have familiar spirits and the wizards out of the land. Wherefore then layest thou a snare for my life to cause me to die? And Saul sware to her by the Lord, saying, As the Lord liveth, there shall no punishment happen to thee for this thing. Then said the woman, Whom shall I bring up unto thee? And he said, Bring me up Samuel. And when the woman saw Samuel, she cried with a loud voice. And the woman spake to Saul, saying, Why hast thou deceived me? For thou art Saul. And the king said unto her, Be not afraid, for what sawest thou? And the woman said unto Saul, I saw gods ascending out of the earth. And he said unto her, What form is he of? And she said, An old man cometh up, and he is covered with a mantle. And Saul perceived that it was Samuel, and he stooped with his face to the ground and bowed himself. And Samuel said to Saul, Why hast thou disquieted me to bring me up? And Saul answered, I am sore distressed, for the Philistines make war against me, and God is departed from me, and answereth me no more, neither by prophets nor by dreams. Therefore I have called thee, that thou mayest make known unto me what I shall do. Then said Samuel, Wherefore then dost thou ask of me, seeing the Lord is departed from thee, and is become thine enemy? And the Lord hath done to him as he spoke by me. For the Lord hath rent the kingdom out of thine hand, and given it to thy neighbor, even to David. Because thou obeyest not the voice of the Lord, nor executest his fierce wrath upon Amalek. Therefore hath the Lord done this thing unto thee this day. Moreover, 
the Lord will also deliver Israel with thee into the hands of the Philistines. And tomorrow shalt thou and thy sons be with me. The Lord also shall deliver the host of Israel into the hand of the Philistines. Let's pray. Father, please bless the Bible study that we do today. We're looking at a very important passage of Scripture. It deals with faith in you as God and seeking you first and your kingdom. And it also deals with the spirit world, what we should do and what we should not do, how we should approach before your throne with prayer requests. And Lord, for any listener that might be following along with this Bible study, if they have not received you, Jesus, as their Lord, God, and Savior, even today, as a result of this study, they might come before you in humble repentance, asking for forgiveness of their sins and to come into the kingdom. Father, thank you for sending your son to die on the cross. Jesus, thank you for taking the wrath that's due our sin. And Holy Spirit, that you would be with us in this study and that you would prevent any evil that would try to steal your word, especially as we delve into this subject of sorcery today. We love you, God. And we just want to say thank you. Amen. A little bit of background on King Saul. King Saul was the first king of Israel, and it was at the end of the book of Judges, and Samuel was his primary advisor. Saul reigned for approximately 40 years, and he's approximately 70 years old now on the night that he goes to the witch of Endor. Samuel had died about four years before this setting, and Samuel was very well respected and loved within Israel. Samuel had blessed Saul at the beginning of his reign. And Saul, when you think about somebody who comes into a kingship, he really had it all. He was a, from the family of the Benjamites, the tribe of the Benjamites. And his father was wealthy. He was physically a very imposing Man, he was a head taller than anybody else, so he's approximately six foot ten, maybe seven feet tall, and he was handsome. He had all the advantages to being the king. However, he had a jealousy problem. If you recall earlier in the Bible, King David, David, when he was a teenager, went to battle against Goliath the giant, and David slew Goliath, and he cut off his head the young maidens, they started to sing a song, Saul has killed his thousands, but David his ten thousands. And when Saul heard this, he became jealous, very jealous of David. And for many years, he tried to kill David. During the course of that jealousy, the jealousy turned into bitterness. And he even went so far as he ordered the slaughter of 85 priests of God. Toward the end of his life, because of this anger and bitterness that defiled many, when he spoke to the Lord, the Lord did not answer him. And now on the eve of the greatest battle of his life against the Philistine army, he seeks guidance from God, but God does not answer. So then he decides to take matters into his own hand and go to a witch who has a familiar spirit. And God became very, very angry at him 
to the point where he said, tomorrow on the morrow, you and your three sons will die in battle. And that's where we take up the study. We are going to look briefly today at four points. The first point is because Saul isolated himself from God, his life had no blessing or divine direction. The second point today will be when God did not answer Saul, Saul turned to Satan and the world. The third point today will be Saul's defiant disobedience, which was driven by his pride, jealousy, fear, and ultimately despair. And then the fourth point, the final point for today, will disobedience of God always ends in disaster. All souls in hell are spiritual suicides. So the first point today, because Saul isolated himself from God, his life had no blessing or divine direction, especially at the end of his life. 1 Samuel 28.3 Now Samuel was dead, and all Israel had lamented him and buried him in Ramah, even in his own city. And Saul had put away those that had familiar spirits and wizards out of the land. What this is saying is that Saul understood that witches and wizards were much hated by the Lord. Because a witch or a wizard that has a familiar spirit is demon-possessed. The demon speaks through them as an advisor to people seeking to come to a witch for answers for things in their life, and God hates that. In Leviticus 20, chapter 20, verse 6, it says, And the soul that turns after such as have familiar spirits and after wizards to go a-whoring after them, I will even set my face against that soul and will cut him off from among the people. This verse is teaching us that if a man or a woman, or even teenagers or children for that matter, if they go a-whoring after a witch or a wizard, God will set his face against that person and God will cut him off from his people. People that practice sorcery as a lifestyle, not just the witches and wizards doing it, but the people who go to them for advice, those people will end up in hell. Leviticus 20, verse 27. A man also, or a woman, that has a familiar spirit, or that is a wizard, shall surely be put to death. They shall stone them with stones. Their blood shall be upon them. This verse teaches us that a man or a woman that is a witch or a wizard, when they're found out, they are to be put to death by the process of stoning them. And it says their blood will be upon themselves. They will be responsible for their own death. In our society today, we don't stone people that do not keep the law of the Old Testament. But during the time of the kings and the prophets, their first responsibility was to honor God by carrying out the law. At the beginning of Saul's reign, he honored God. He did put away those that had familiar spirits. 1 Samuel 28.4 and 28.5 And the Philistines gathered themselves together and came and pitched in Shunem. And Saul gathered all Israel together and they pitched in Galboa. And when Saul saw the hosts of the Philistines, he was afraid, and his heart greatly trembled. The setting here is an impending battle. Saul had sent his spies 
to check and see how strong the Philistine army was. And they had come back and said, yes, the Philistines are well prepared. They have many men. They have practiced in the warfare and they are prepared to battle. But more importantly, God was punishing the Israelites and allowing the Philistines to grow in power. We also see, if we look at a map, that where the Philistines are pitched in Shunem, it's approximately eight miles north and slightly northwest of the Mount Gilboa. So there's approximately an eight-mile difference between these two warring camps, the Philistines and the Israelites. What's also interesting is when you look on the map, Endor, where the Witch of Endor resides, is approximately two miles farther north of Gilboa. And what that means is that Saul will have to travel through enemy territory in order to go to her. He's literally putting his physical life at risk to do evil. And why was Saul so afraid? Well, he knew he was not with God, and he knew God was not with him. Proverbs 10, 24 says, The fear of the wicked, it shall come upon him, but the desire of the righteous shall be granted. Saul was living a very wicked lifestyle. He was jealous, he was bitter, he was angry, he had murdered the priests, he had tried to kill David for many years, and he was very far from the Lord. And God was saying, because he was wicked, the fear came upon him. And in no area of this passage do we ever read where Saul was seeking repentance before God. In his pride, he decided to devise his own means to get answers. God did not answer him, so then he decided on his own that he would go to Samuel to seek guidance. 1 Samuel 28, 6. And when Saul inquired of the Lord, the Lord answered him not, neither by dreams, nor by Urim, nor by prophets. Saul had inquired, but we don't know what attitude he was inquiring of. Certainly it was not humbling himself before the mighty hand of God. And it says the Lord did not speak to him in dreams, nor by Urim. Urim were a means by which the prophets would seek guidance from the Lord, either with a white and a black stick or a white and a black stone. And if it turned up white, it was God was with them and God was leading them. If it turned up black, then they would hold back and not advance, for example, into a battle. But God did not speak by dreams, Urim, nor by the prophets, speaking through the prophets primarily because he had killed 85 of them. And we're going to see this. If you look in 1 Samuel chapter 22, verses 17 and 18, we read, And the king, this is Saul, and the king said unto the footmen, that stood about him, turn and slay the priests of the Lord, because their hand also is with David, and because they knew when he fled and did not show it unto me. But the servants of the king would not put forth their hand to fall upon the priests of the Lord. And the king said to Doeg, turn thou and fall upon the priests. And Doeg the Edomite turned and he fell upon the priests and slew on that day fourscore and five persons that did wear a linen ephod. A score is twenty, so fourscore is eighty. 
four score and five persons would be 85 priests that Doeg killed at the command of the king. It's interesting when you read these two verses that the footmen would not touch God's anointed priests. They were afraid to do that. And they were actually disobeying the king. And the king turned to Doeg. Doeg is the individual who brought the information to the king. And he was the one who indicted the priests. And Saul, in his jealousy, did not listen to what the priests were saying, that they were indeed innocent. And because of his jealousy and bitterness toward David, he was willing to murder these 85 priests of the Lord. We also see here that Doeg is the hands, the means by which the murders were consummated. Doeg was an Edomite. And why this is important is the Edomites were a direct lineage of Esau. If you remember, Abraham had two children. He had Ishmael by the handmaid of Sarah, and he had Isaac through Sarah. Now, Ishmael had 12 sons, and he had many, many offspring. Isaac had two sons, Jacob and Esau. And the Bible says, Jacob have I loved, and Esau have I hated. The reason God hated Esau is not only that he despised his birthright, but he rejected God as his sole authority, and he lacked faith in Jesus as his redemptor. He also was very rebellious against the Lord, and he didn't take a wife or wives from the Israelite nation. He took wives that were descendants of Ishmael. And these Edomites, even today, are the Arab nation. And just like Doeg hated the Jews in his lifetime and was willing to kill these 85 priests, even today, the Arabs are warring against Israel. The second point today, when God did not answer Saul, Saul turned to Satan and the world. Really, there's no other option. If we do not listen to the Lord and abide and follow what the Lord tells us to do, the only other option is the world. 1 Samuel 28, 7. Then said Saul unto his servants, Seek me a woman that hath a familiar spirit, that I may go to her and inquire of her. And his servants said to him, Behold, there is a woman that hath a familiar spirit at Endor. Here we read that Saul asked his men, his servants, to go find a witch. And it's also interesting to note, they knew where this witch lived. They said, behold, there is a witch that has a familiar spirit at Endor. Saul was truly looking for a witch that had a familiar spirit. Many times people will offer themselves as readers of tarot cards or crystal balls and many times these people are doing it just for fun or for money. They really do not have a demon spirit. They're not demon-possessed. But a true witch will be demon-possessed. Leviticus 19.31 says, Regard not them that have familiar spirits, neither seek after wizards to be defiled by them. I am the Lord your God. This verse teaches us that we should never go seek out a wizard or a witch and ask advice or counsel from them. 
And the reason is because when we would do that, we would be defiled before the Lord in the spirit world. And God says, I am the Lord your God. Don't go to Satan. He is the God of this world, but he is not the God who will judge your body, soul, and spirit into eternity. Only the Lord Jesus will do that. 1 Samuel 28, 8, And Saul disguised himself and put on other raiment, and he went and two men with him. And they came to the woman by night. And he said, I pray thee, divine unto me by the familiar spirit, and bring me him up whom I shall name unto thee. So here we see that Saul disguises himself. Remember, Saul is a man who's 70 years old at this point. He's not a young man, and he cannot ride a chariot or a, a stallion the 10 miles or even more that he has to go to see the witch of Endor because he's going into the enemy camp. He's going behind the front line. So he has to disguise himself, and he goes with two of his servants. And this would be a long, arduous journey for a man of that age. And remember, he also has to walk back. So if he walked 10 or 12 miles, that would be 20 or 24 miles to come back. But he's willing to do this to go talk to this witch, the one who has the familiar spirit. Now we get a little bit of background on Saul from 1 Samuel chapter 9, verse 2, when he was a young man. Speaking of Saul, it says, And he had a son whose name was Saul, a choice young man and a goodly. And there was not among the children of Israel a goodlier person than he. From his shoulders and upward, he was higher than any of the people. So here we see Saul was a choice young man. Goodly means he was handsome. We also know he was from the tribe of Benjamin. And we know that his father was wealthy. And we also read here he was very tall. From his shoulders upward, he was higher than any of the people. He was approximately seven feet tall. He was a tall man. So when he disguised himself to go visit the witch of Endor, it became even more difficult because he was a tall man who needed to disguise himself and walk this long distance. It also speaks to the lengths that we will go to satisfy our sin. 1 Samuel 28, 9. And the woman said unto him, unto Saul, Behold, thou knowest what Saul hath done, how he hath cut off those that have familiar spirits and the wizards out of the land. Wherefore then layest thou a snare for my life to cause me to die? This witch is being very careful. Let's say we went up to somebody that we heard was selling drugs and we went to that person and said, hey, can you sell me some drugs? If they didn't know us, they would say, why are you asking me this question? I don't sell drugs. I would never think to do that. That's against the law. Well, the same thing is happening here with this witch. Saul is going to her, and she doesn't know it's Saul. She doesn't know it's the king who has actually put a death sentence on the witches that are out there. She's just saying, oh, you're coming to me to talk to a witch. Don't you know that being a witch is illegal? What are you doing? Are you trying to set a trap for my life? Now look at Ezekiel 18.4. This verse says, Behold, all souls are mine. As the soul of the Father, so also the soul of the Son is mine. The soul that sinneth, it shall die. And why this is important is because 
Saul is going to convince this witch that what she's doing is okay in the eyes of God. And yet God is saying in this verse, he controls all souls, all souls are his, which also means God is the one who sends souls into heaven or hell. And he also is the one who brings souls out of heaven or hell and into the judgment seat where they're going to be either cast into the lake of fire or they're going to go into eternity with God in heaven. Now, 1 Samuel 28, 10, it says, And Saul swear to her by the Lord, saying, As the Lord liveth, there shall no punishment happen to thee for this thing. Saul is really speaking out of school here. First off, he's saying he's swearing by the Lord. In effect, he's blaspheming the name of the Lord. Why would he say what she's doing, which is being evil, which is being a witch, she's somebody who's demon-possessed? How can he say that the Lord will hold her guiltless, that there would be no punishment that would come upon her? He has no authority to say that. Let's look at Exodus 20, verse 7. Thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless that taketh his name in vain. Saul is taking the name of the Lord in vain. He's saying something that's a lie, and he's swearing by the name of the Lord. And this verse says, God will not hold him guiltless for this. Indeed, the witch will suffer the consequences of her sorcery. There's a verse in Revelation 22, it says, and without are all dogs and sorcerers and whoremongers and murderers and idolaters and whosoever loveth and maketh a lie. So without is the lake of fire. It's the people that are without the kingdom of heaven, the people who do not go into the kingdom. And it says without are all dogs and sorcerers. And here this witch is a sorcerer. Then she asks Saul, whom shall I bring up? So she still doesn't know that Saul is the king, but she's convinced that he's not going to turn her in. So she says, whom shall I bring up? And he says, bring me up Samuel. Now it's unlikely that this witch of Endor would have known who Samuel is. Perhaps she would have heard of him by reputation because he was well loved within the nation of Israel, but she's a Gentile. And indeed, she would not have anything to do with the law being a witch because she's on the other end of the spectrum of being clean with God. She's defiled by Satan. Revelation 1.18 says, this is Jesus speaking in the first chapter, I am he that liveth and was dead, and behold, I am alive forevermore. Amen. And have the keys of hell and death. So Jesus is declaring here in this verse, he went to the cross he died, he was dead, and behold, I am alive forevermore. Jesus, because he's God, resurrected from the dead on Easter Sunday morning. But more importantly, this verse declares that Jesus has the keys of hell and of death. Now, if we look at this time on the timeline of the Bible, Saul lived approximately 1,000 years before the birth of Christ. And hell is in the center of the earth. At this time, hell had two rooms, two compartments. One was the fiery part where the suffering was, and the other was Abraham's bosom. If you remember 
in Luke chapter 16, the rich man died and lifted up his eyes being in torments. And it says, and saw Lazarus afar off in Abraham's bosom. And between them, there was a great gulf fixed. And also we know that the souls of the saints went into Abraham's bosom before Jesus was resurrected on Easter Sunday morning. If you also recall in the scriptures, there were two thieves who were crucified with Jesus on the cross. One was on the right side, was on, one was on the left side. And one of those two thieves, he said, Remember me when thou comest into thy kingdom. And Jesus answered him and said, Today thou shalt be with me in paradise. So we know that the souls of the saints went into paradise. The souls of the damned went into the fiery part of hell. Both compartments are included in hell. When Jesus rose from the dead, after he descended into Abraham's bosom, it says he took captivity captive. So all of those souls that were in the good side, the pleasant side of hell, the Abraham's bosom part of hell, they were emptied and those souls were resurrected into heaven. And then it says hell expanded itself. So today, hell, which is in the center of the earth, is all fiery flame. And we know that Jesus descended into the center of the earth when he died, because the scribes and the Pharisees, when Jesus was alive and preaching, said, give us a sign that you're God. And Jesus said, no sign will be given except the sign of Jonas. As Jonas was three days and three nights in the belly of the whale, Jonah, in the belly of the whale, so must the Son of Man be in the heart of the earth three days and three nights. Back to our story. 1 Samuel 28, 12. And when the woman saw Samuel, she cried with a loud voice. And the woman spake to Saul, saying, Why hast thou deceived me? For thou art Saul. Now, she cried with a loud voice. She was expecting her familiar spirit, demon, to speak to her and to be the apparition. But indeed, the Bible says she saw Samuel. This indeed was Samuel that she saw. And because it was not her familiar spirit, she cried with a loud voice. She screamed. She was afraid. And also, she immediately knew that this man who had come to her was Saul. His disguise was gone. She knew that he was the king. And she said, why have you deceived me? For you are Saul. So now we see where Saul is found out. Numbers 32, 23 says, but if ye will not do so, behold, you have sinned against the Lord, and be sure your sin will find you out. Numbers is talking about the nation of Israel, but this rule, this truth applies to all of us. Be sure your sin will find you out. And now we see where Saul's sin of deceit before this witch is found out. 1 Samuel twenty-eight thirteen, And the king said unto her, Be not afraid, for what thou sawest, and the woman said unto Saul, I saw gods ascending out of the earth. This gods is spelled little g-o-d-s. Now you might wonder why she was calling these souls that she saw gods that were ascending, coming up out of the earth. So we know 
that Samuel was in paradise, and this further underscores that hell is in the center of the earth. Now, if we look at Psalms 82.6, it gives us more information about the souls that are called gods. Psalm 82.6, I have said, ye are gods, and all of you are children of the Most High. This verse teaches us that a Christian, a born-again saint, somebody who through faith receives Jesus as their Savior, Jesus calls them a little g God. Ye are gods, and all of you are children of the Most High. So the souls that she's seeing, because she says, I see gods ascending, these are the souls of saints. They are not souls that are in torment on the other side of hell, on the other side of the great gulf that's fixed. These are souls of Christians. So here we see God is giving us a glimpse into the spirit world. He's giving us a little bit of insight into what hell looks like. Hell being the two parts, one being paradise and the other being the fire. 1 Samuel 28, 14. And Saul said unto her, What form is he of? What does he look like? And she said, An old man comes up, and he is covered with a mantle. And Saul perceived that it was Samuel, and he stooped his face to the ground and bowed himself. Samuel was known for wearing his mantle, the outer covering, his coat. And indeed, at one point when Saul had ripped his mantle, Samuel was going to walk away and he grabbed him. And as he grabbed him, he ripped his mantle. And at that point, Samuel looked at Saul and said, as you have rent my garment, so has the Lord rent the kingdom out of your hand and has given it to David. And also here we see Saul stoops with his face to the ground and bows himself before Samuel. The Bible doesn't say he can actually see Samuel because he's not speaking directly to Samuel. The witch is talking to Samuel, but he bows himself down. He doesn't bow himself before the mighty hand of God. He's bowing himself to an earthly advisor, to the prophet Samuel, who had advised him during his lifetime. Point number three today, Saul's defiant disobedience. His disobedience was driven by his pride, his jealousy, fear, and ultimately his despair. We saw he had pride at the beginning of his reign, jealous of David, and this jealousy developed into a murderous spirit. He tried to kill David on many occasions. And ultimately, this spirit of bitterness and anger turns into fear. And the night before he dies, he fears for his life. And ultimately, it turns into despair where he actually commits suicide. 1 Samuel 28, 15. And Samuel said to Saul, Why hast thou disquieted me to bring me up? And Saul answered, I am sore distressed, for the Philistines make war against me, and God is departed from me, and answers me no more, neither by prophets nor by dreams. Therefore I have called thee, that thou mayest make known unto me what I shall do. If we look at Isaiah 59.2, this verse will give us insight into why God is not answering Saul. 
Isaiah 59, 2 says, But your iniquities have separated between you and your God, and your sins have hid his face from you that he will not hear. Saul is 40 years into his reign. He has sinned many, many, many times and has not sought repentance before the Lord. He has not sought out forgiveness. The Bible says if we confess our sins, God is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And yet Saul has never done this. And his iniquities, his sins, his transgressions have separated him from God. It's almost like each one of his sins is a brick in a wall. And over 40 years, this wall has acquired many, many thousands of bricks, perhaps even millions of bricks. And it is high and it is wide. And no longer can the Lord talk with him because this wall of sin has separated between Saul and God. It's not that God doesn't know what Saul is thinking or saying, but Saul's sins have hid God's face from him. And that is why God will not hear. God has no shadow of turning. He didn't leave Saul, but Saul's sins are hiding God's face. 1 Samuel 28, 16. Then said Samuel, Wherefore then dost thou ask of me, seeing the Lord has departed from thee and has become thine enemy? So now Samuel is speaking. We don't know if Samuel is talking directly to Saul or if he's speaking through the witch. He's saying to Saul, Why are you asking of me? Don't you know that God has departed from you? And even more importantly, God has become Saul's enemy. That is a very disheartening verse, a very scary verse for Saul. His heart must have dropped knowing that Samuel was saying, God is your enemy. At the day of judgment, we do not want God to be our enemy because it is God who casts souls into the lake of fire. God says, do not fear them that can kill the body, but fear me that can kill the body and cast the soul into hell. 1 Samuel 15, verse 10 and 11. Then came the word of the Lord unto Samuel, saying, It repenteth me that I have set up Saul to be king, for he is turned back from following me and has not performed my commandments. And it grieved Samuel, and he cried unto the Lord all night. This is a few chapters before, and this verse deals with Saul when he's young in his kingdom. And it says actually in the first year of his reign. So it goes all the way back 40 years. And it says, it repented God that he made Saul the king. And the reason being that Saul turned from following him. When Saul was first ordained the king, he followed after the Lord. He was seeking the Lord. And in fact, the spirit of the Lord moved upon him. But as he grew into his kingship, his pride overcame his desire to serve the Lord. And here we see it grieved Samuel when God spoke to him that it repented that he made Saul the king. And it said, Samuel cried unto the Lord all night. Have you ever had something come into your life where you wept or were sad or stayed awake all night long? 
That's what's happening here with Samuel because of Saul's sin. He was grieved all night long. 1 Samuel 28, 17. This is again Samuel speaking towards Saul, maybe directly or through the witch. And the Lord hath done to him as he spake by me. For the Lord hath rent the kingdom out of your hand, Saul, and has given it to thy neighbor, even to David. And the reason being, verse 28, 18, because thou obeyest not the voice of the Lord, nor executed his fierce wrath upon Amalek. Therefore hath the Lord done this thing unto thee this day. If we go back to 1 Samuel chapter 15, verse 9, we get a clearer picture of what Saul did when he disobeyed God. But Saul and the people spared Agag. Agag was the king and the best of the sheep and of the oxen and of the fatlings and the lambs and all that was good and would not utterly destroy them. But everything that was vile and refuse, that they destroyed utterly. So what Saul did is he looked at all of these flocks and he said, there are good oxen, there are good sheep. Why should I kill them? So he kept them for himself. He disobeyed God. But all of the animals that were diseased or the possessions that were of little or no value, those he utterly destroyed. So he totally disobeyed God. Because of that, God was very angry with him. Point number four today. Disobedience of God always ends in disaster. And all souls in hell are spiritual suicides. There's a verse in the Bible that's, that says, the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men. All of us during our lifetime will be confronted with the issue that Jesus is God and will we, re we receive him as Lord God and Savior or will we reject this free gift of eternal life? So all souls that go to hell, they have rejected the free gift and hence they are spiritual suicides. Well, what's very sad about this passage that we're going to look at here, not only was Saul a spiritual suicide, but he also becomes a physical suicide. The next day in battle, the Philistines are going to rout the Israelite army. Many men are going to die, including Saul. He's going to be hit by the archers. And he asks his armor bearer to kill him, but the armor bearer will not kill the king. So Saul commits suicide, and then the armor bearer also commits suicide. The Philistines come in and they cut off Saul's head and they take it as a trophy and present it into the neighboring towns. And what blasphemy this would bring upon God because they also took Saul's armor and they brought it into the temple of Asheroth. And what they were really saying is, look, our God is stronger than Saul's God. And then they took Saul's body and the body of his three sons and they nailed them to the wall. Saul was utterly disgraced. And through it, most importantly, God was disgraced in the eyes of these Philistine heathens. Let's look at 1 Samuel 28, 19. Moreover, the Lord will also deliver Israel with thee into the hands of the Philistines. And tomorrow shalt thou and thy sons be with me. 
the Lord also shall deliver the host of Israel into the hands of the Philistines. One of the reasons that we know that this indeed is Samuel and not a demon is Samuel here is telling Saul what's going to happen in the future. Demons know everything about us in the past. They can follow you and your life. They know about your parents, your grandparents, great-great-grandparents. Because demons never die, they know the history of any family or mankind all the way back to Adam and Eve. However, they do not know the future. But God is telling Samuel to tell Saul what will happen tomorrow. What Samuel is saying, tomorrow you will be with me, not in paradise, but they will be in eternity. Right now, they are still in time. Once you step through death's portal, you go from time into eternity. Today, we're in 2017. Anybody who dies today will then stop being in 2017 and they will be in eternity. And also, God tells Samuel to tell Saul that tomorrow, the Lord will also deliver the host of Israel, the army of Israel, into the hands of the Philistines. They are going to lose the battle tomorrow. Only God could be this specific about what would happen to Saul and the Israelite army and to his three sons. Let's look at where this all is chronicled. In 1 Chronicles chapter 10, verse 1-6, through 6, Now the Philistines fought against Israel, and the men of Israel fled from before the Philistines and fell down slain in Mount Gilboa. And the Philistines followed hard after Saul and after his sons. And the Philistines slew Jonathan and Abinadab and Malchishua, the sons of Saul. And the battle went sore against Saul, and the archers hit him, and he was wounded of the archers. Then said Saul to his armor-bearer, Draw thy sword and thrust me through therewith, lest these uncircumcised come and abuse me. But his armor-bearer would not, for he was sore afraid. So Saul took a sword and fell upon it. And when his armor-bearer saw that Saul was dead, he fell likewise on the sword and died. So Saul died, and his three sons and all his house died together. Here we see that Saul is hit by the archers. So the arrows hit him. He's wounded, but not yet dead. He asks his armor bearer to kill him because he doesn't want to be abused. He doesn't want to be tortured by the Philistines who are quickly closing in on them. And we also know that the Philistines are attacking because they came from Shunan eight miles away and are attacking at Mount Gilboa. His armor bearer says, no, you're the king. I will not kill you. So Saul commits suicide. This is the end of the journey for Saul. We see him starting so high up on the mountain. He's the king with every gift that God could give him. And look at how his life ends in tragedy. He has really wasted 40 years where he could have been serving God, but he was serving himself. If we look at 1 Samuel chapter 31, verses 9 and 10, this is talking about further what the Philistines did to Saul. And they cut off his head and stripped off his armor and sent into the land of the Philistines round about to publish it in the house of their idols 
and among the people. So what they did is they cut off Saul's head and they sent it to all of the different towns to publish, to make it known that Saul was dead and to put it into the house of the idols. What they were saying is that their idol God was stronger than Jehovah. What blasphemy that Saul's actions brought upon God. And God will not hold him guiltless who does this. And then it says, And they put his armor in the house of Ashtaroth, and they fastened his body to the wall of Bethshan. They put the bodies of Saul and his three sons, and they nailed them to the wall so that the people could come by and ridicule and spit and throw stones and just generally abuse the bodies. But David hears of the death of Saul. And it says, David has a heart after the Lord. And David loved Saul. Even though Saul was trying to kill David, David still loved him. And it says in 2 Samuel chapter 21, verse 12, And David went and took the bones of Saul and the bones of Jonathan his son from the men of Jabesh-Gilead, which had stolen them from the street of Bethshan, where the Philistines had hanged them, when the Philistines had slain Saul in Gilboa. And what David did is he took the bones of Saul and Jonathan and he gave them a proper burial. And he honored King Saul, even though King Saul really did not deserve the honor. David was a righteous man. This is a very sad story. Here we see a king at the top of the mountain, so to speak, and he falls so deep into sin. And at the end of his life, his soul is wretched, seeking out a demon possessed witch because God would not listen to him because God had become his enemy. And these verses that we have studied today seem to indicate that Saul today, his soul is in hell, in the burning part of hell, that he did not ascend into heaven when Jesus took captivity captive on Easter Sunday morning. The wages of sin is death. The Bible teaches us that, that we will have to give an account for every deed that we do in our body. And indeed, Saul had to give an account. And at the end of his life, he even ended his life by murdering himself. What a sad way to go into eternity. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this study that you've given us in your word of God in the Old Testament. There are many lessons that we can take and hold near and dear to our hearts. Jesus, you are the God of the saved souls who repent. And if there's somebody here today that has not come before you in a broken spirit of repentance, a broken spirit for their sins, for a godly sorrow for the sins that they've done against you, God, against your purity and against your kingdom, that even today would be the day that they get saved. And we ask this in your name, Jesus. We love you, God. Thank you for the cross. Amen.